Canada has given $8 million and an apology to a former Guantanamo Bay prisoner who pleaded guilty to killing a U.S. soldier in Afghanistan. Omar Qatar was captured by U.S. soldiers following a firefight in Afghanistan and suspected of throwing the grenade that killed an American Special Forces medic and caused another soldier to lose an eye. Qatar pleaded guilty in 2010 to murder, attempted murder and spying. He appealed his guilty plea in Canada and was released before serving the remainder of his sentence. The case has caused controversy in Canada. Here's Andrew Scheer, the leader of the Conservative Party in Canada. This sends a terrible message to Canada's men and women in uniform and our allies around the world. And for all their bravery and sacrifice, our veterans now see Prime Minister Trudeau handing $10.5 million to a convicted terrorist who fought against them in Afghanistan. Sergeant Christopher Spears' widow and also Sergeant Lane Morris won an award of $134 million against Catter for wrongful death and injury in a U.S. court in 2015. Will they see any part of that award? That's just one question in this case. Joining us to answer many others is Ramsey Kassam. He's a professor at CUNY School of Law and J. Wells Dixon, senior staff attorney at the Center for Constitutional Rights. Ramsey, this case has been going on for some time. Can you briefly explain why Canada made this deal? Isn't Catter's appeal of his sentence still pending? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Catter's appeal of his sentence is still pending, but the reason why the Canadian government has offered and paid compensation to Omar Qatar at this point is because of Canada's role in his unlawful imprisonment at Guantanamo and his interrogation there. The Canadians sent a team of interrogators there. And perhaps the single most important fact about the case of Omar Qatar that was left out in your earlier summary is that Omar Qatar was a child soldier. Uh, he was one of many child soldiers who were imprisoned by the United States at Guantanamo and in other facilities. And at the time of the alleged acts that led to his conviction, um, he was a minor. And when he was questioned by Canadian interrogators at Guantanamo, he was still a minor. And I think as a result of all of these facts, the Canadian government has done the right thing here by giving him compensation for its own role in the violation of his rights. Well, Wells, you know, a lot of people are going to think this is crazy that you'd give this money to somebody who has admitted killing uh, an American soldier and blinding another one. Um, you know, is he going to keep this money or is the family going to be able to get it? Well, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, I suspect it's very unlikely that uh, that the family will be able to get this money. Um, because I, I, I have to emphasize what Ramsey said, which is that Omar Cotter was a child, right? And it's, there's also no dispute at this point that he suffered torture and abuse at Guantanamo and that Canada was complicit in that. I mean, that was essentially the finding of the Canadian Supreme Court in 2010. And as the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, recognized, there are legal consequences for that, right? You can't just decide when you're going to comply with the law and when you're not going to. And in a situation where someone has suffered torture and abuse, they have a universal right to redress and to compensation for that torture. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that is a principle that's enshrined in the Convention Against Torture, right, signed in this country, in the United States, by Ronald Reagan in 1984. And so those are, those are undisputed facts. And as I understand the, the case brought by Sergeant Spears' family, um, 
that that, first of all, was a default judgment, right? Omar Khadr, as I understand it, was never served with that case. But in any event, the, the, the liability that supposedly attached there rests on, on his conviction at Guantanamo, which is illegitimate. I mean, not only is he a, a, um, was he a child, right, and therefore not criminally culpable, for whatever he may have done, and we still don't know what he may have done. Well, let me just stop you for um, one second, Wells. Just speak. He was a child. He was 15. In some states, if you were in the United States, he would be tried as an adult. And he, 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 there is evidence that he was responsible for the death of one, a medic, a sergeant who was a medic, and left a wife and two children behind, and also the loss of an eye of another one. He also has ties to al-Qaeda. I mean, there's a lot more to this than just he was, he was 15. Well, I disagree. Uh, those facts have not been proven. And uh, as the Canadian Supreme Court found, he was the subject to duress. He was subjected to duress, to torture and abuse, and you cannot convict someone of uh, a purported war crime under those circumstances. That's just, it's, it's clear, you know, universal law in the United States to the extent that it, that it sees this differently. Maybe the only country in the world that sees it differently. Certainly the Canadians don't view it that way. Um, and, and his appeal is ongoing, right? He is still pursuing his, direct, his, his direct appeal from his conviction at Guantanamo for you know, putting his age aside for offenses that are very unlikely uh, to be found to be international law of war offenses, right? So that conviction is not likely to stand up uh, uh, on review, if, particularly if you look at, at some of the other Guantanamo military convictions that have been appealed, including my client, David Hicks, right? Uh, his conviction was vacated after his release because he didn't commit what is recognized uh, anywhere as uh, an international law of war offense. Just well, what, what? Well, Ramsey, we've got about 30 seconds here, but what is the uh, what is the process now if the families wanted to get their hands on this money? I'm, I'm really not very familiar with Canadian procedure. I mean, I, my understanding is that the family has initiated uh, a proceeding in Canada to, to try to do precisely that, and I'm guessing that the Canadian justice system will take its course and ultimately reach a determination as to whether or not, um, you know, Sergeant Spears' family will will get a share or, you know, some part of, uh, of Mr. Cotter's recovery. Um, Wells, from, from what I've read, there's very little chance that the widow or the other, the sergeant will get a share. Is that your understanding? That is my understanding, yes. All right. Well, thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's J. Wells Dixon, Senior Staff Attorney at the Center for Constitutional Rights, and Ramsey Kassam, Professor at CUNY School of Law. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Tricomi, and our producer, David Sutcherman. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio. We have Bloomberg Markets with Carol Master and Corey Johnson. And Carol is here, finally, with some time to tell us what's <laughs> going to happen. Finally, it's more been, than 15 seconds. It's been busy, right, dude? Yes. Uh, we, actually, my co-host, Corey Johnson, out at Amazon headquarters, uh, he's been checking out some Amazon Prime cargo planes because Amazon Prime Day starts at 9 p.m. Uh, this evening, Wall Street time, so we'll talk about that. We've also got the chief uh, operating officer over at PayPal and Coca-Cola paying dividends for some colleges and Abercrombie and Fitch. June, do you shop there? No. <laughs>
Not since my daughter was very small. <laughs> well, a lot of people aren't, and the stock's down, so we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on that. And I have to do some looking into what Amazon Prime Day is. All right, stay tuned for all that and more here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm June Grosso with Michael Best. You've been listening to Bloomberg Law. Coming up, Bloomberg Markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.